Welcome to Meet Yourself, Learning Through Living with Lucy. Conversations on self-discovery and revealing what we really want out of work, life, relationships, and ourselves. In today's show, we are going to feature Heather Nakama. Um, so I met Heather during our time together as software engineers at Microsoft. And this episode, I want you to pay attention to three really interesting things. Uh, the first one was how Heather went from a religious studies major to discover her interest in technology. I think there's just such a fascinating story behind this because the two things are so different. Um, the second thing is she talks about how she uses her work as a tool for self-improvement, especially in the area of human relationships. Again, two seemingly very different themes that somehow share something in common. And the third thing is just notice how much passion she has when she talks about technology. In fact, hearing Heather talk about how much she loves computers, distributed systems, all of that was one of the first things that made me realize how much I didn't actually care about software engineering and technology myself. You can you can really get you can really see how much others and even yourself care about a topic by the way you talk about something. This is something that I think is very important that people often that that it often goes unnoticed with people where the way you talk about something really indicates how aligned what you're talking about is what you want to do is with what you actually desire and want to do deep down. So with that out of the way, please enjoy the show. Hello, hello. So I'm really excited to welcome Heather. Um, Heather is my friend from actually many, many years now, I believe. Um, and currently she is a tech lead at Google who has a passion for building scalable, reliable, and fault-tolerant distributed systems. She is a, I, I consider her to be anyway, a lifelong learner with a knack for seeing relationships and analogies between different topics and multiple areas of life. And uh, lately she's been exploring how tech can teach us a lot about our own psychology and human relationships. Um, what I love about Heather is like the fact that she's able to just like find learnings in one area of life and then like extrapolate that and apply it to like something that you like that you, one would think is completely different, um, especially like technology and how it applies to human relationships. Like I've never met somebody who like saw that before. Um, and this like being able to learn uh, from one area and adapted to a different area really is the learning by living part of our podcast title. And so I'm just so excited to have Heather on here with us today. I'm really excited to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah, you're welcome. And um, so yeah, to kind of uh, to get started, I, I know you've, uh, I, I'm really curious, uh, first of all, what made you decide to uh, go into tech? What spurred your love for tech? Because if I remember correctly, the, when we last spoke, you actually um, mentioned that you started as a religious studies major in college. Is that right? Yeah, this is my origin story that people are oftentimes really weirded out to hear because I'm so uh, gung-ho and passionate now about tech. But um, I think it's mostly just me not knowing what I wanted to do with myself when I got to school at the first time for in college. I just kind of took a variety of classes. Uh, originally, I wanted to be a biochemistry major, and I probably bailed out after my first uh, experience with chemistry. Uh, and I think religion kind of caught just because I've, I've always really liked religion. Um, I'm an atheist, but I grew up in the church, and I really enjoyed the experience. So I took the classes, and I, I think those were the ones that just spoke to me the most. Uh, I will say that by the time I was like a junior or senior, I knew that, okay, this is sort of um, nothing I want to do with my life, but I just wanted to get my degree at that point. So so was it just like a, hey, you know what, I, I'm not really that, I don't find biochem really that fun and interesting. Um, religion sounds like something that is like, it's very fascinating to me. And so why not? Um, were you like thinking at all about like what you were going to do after university when you, uh, when you made no. that <laughs> I, I, clearly not. Um, I, I was talking to Sean recently about 
he was like, it was like, oh yeah, I was looking at average salaries and um, asked me if I did that. I'm like, no one who majored in religion has been looking at average salaries of their of their profession. So like, it was mostly just um, like, what what am I the most interested in to study for the next four years? Is is really what it was. What it was. Oh my goodness. That's so that's so interesting because I remember when I was in college, it was there was like everyone was thinking about like, what am I going to do after college? Like, how much money can I make with my degree and all of that? And it's just so it's so funny that you're like, uh, nope. How I just want to get my get my college degree and do and enjoy my time here while I can. My parents were surprisingly chill about it too. Like, yeah? I mean, so my mom wanted to major. Uh, actually, no, my mom, my mom did major in art. Um, and so she was always really enthusiastic about me just doing whatever I wanted. And I'm also surprised that my dad wasn't asking me to be more practical. But yeah, he was surprisingly supportive. They're both really, really supportive of it. That's so that's so awesome. That's so awesome. And such that's so refreshing to hear because um, <laughs> I feel like um, at least a lot of uh, a lot of the people that I've talked to uh, that 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 wasn't their norm <laughs> in their in their upbringing. Um, I'm very curious then. OK, so what? What got you into tech then? Because that is so different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, so it's this um this this really crazy string of coincidences, honestly. Um, and like I I remember a while ago I, I wrote it all out and just like feeling super lucky and grateful that I ended up where I am now. Uh, it's it, yeah. So um, I guess please, please share. Of, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see. So. I got really into video games when I was in college and I had this group of friends that we'd play Halo twice a week for these long marathon sessions. And uh, some of them recommended I try out coding. Um, I think maybe I just played Halo in a very nerdy way. I don't know. So I, I played around with it and I, I liked it. And I was like, well, that was a fun hobby. Okay, back to wondering what I'm going to do with my religion degree. And I, I had this weird mental block that that it's like, okay, coding is fun, but it's not for someone like me to pick up. Uh, I just never even considered it as an option. And so uh, I graduated and I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do with myself. I did get a minor in mathematics. So I was like, okay, maybe I'll, I'll become an actuary. And uh, my Halo friends reached out and said, hey, like they're working at Microsoft. And I said, there's an, an opening for a contractor role. Do you want to apply for it? And I was like, hell yeah, I do. I was working at Barnes & Noble with minimum wage at this point. So it was it was pretty exciting. So they, they said I should brush up on um, or learn Windows command line batch scripting, because that's what the job would be about. So I did that, went to the interview, uh, got hired. And I think within like a month, I was like, oh, yes, yes, computers and software are actually a very good career. And so at that point, I was like, OK, I'm going to try to learn how to code for real. I bought a book on C Sharp and uh, just started teaching myself how to code. Um, and I uh, yeah, begged for all the coding work I could I could get from 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 like my friends and coworkers. But like overall, this is actually a super fun time in my life, I'd say, because it's like one, my salary just doubled, which is pretty awesome. No longer making minimum wage. And then two, like I was re I really fell in love with coding like from the from, from the beginning. And it was just this really fun period of um, learning how to code, learning that I loved it. Um, and I knew really early on this, this is this is I wanted, what I wanted to do. And I learned about distributed systems early on. And even though I barely understood it, I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. And I think like everything after that was just about getting closer to my eventual goal. So yeah, it was, it was a really, really fun time in my life. That's so funny, Heather. Like it's, it's so funny that when like, first of all, you basically just um, like, you, you know, you were playing video games. It sounds like, you know, you were playing video games with your friends and then they were the ones who were like, Hey, we think you'd probably be interested in this coding thing and you did it and you really enjoyed it. And it didn't even occur to you at the time that you could, that this could be a job option for you. Until like yeah, yeah. later when I guess you were actually in the job search mode. <laughs> I think um like looking back now, it's so obvious that it's a question of representation that mm -hmm. I had this mental block that this is something that only guys did, mm -hmm. even though I, I never said it to myself and no one ever told me you can't do it. I, I just didn't even think about it as an option until wow. I, I got into it, which is part of why I, I think um like like volunteering with kids and this kind of thing is super important so that people understand that, oh, hey, like someone like me can do this. That that's that makes so much sense. Um, yeah, like nobody. Ooh, I I just to reiterate what you said. Like nobody had to tell you, or no nobody ever said to you. I'm assuming like, oh, this is what guys did. But it's 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 very interesting that like it didn't at, at least at that time. It, even though it was fun, it didn't really register 
um, to you as a possible job option because you just didn't see a lot of women in it, right? So it was like, it, like the dot connection almost didn't even happen yeah, at that it, point, it's right? It's so weird. Like in the same huh. way, I don't, it's like, um, yeah, I, I was just looking at, okay, like, what, what can I study? And like, I, I was looking at like religion and chemistry and all this stuff, but I, I'm just like, chemistry science, okay, yeah, whatever. And I just completely ignored it. It's, it's so weird looking back now how much I dismissed it. Wow, 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 wow. And I think that that's really important. I'm really glad, by the way, that your friends like just basically kept like bugging you about it. Like, hey. <laughs> oh, and then even like, yes, I'm super grateful. Like, there was no way in hell I would be here without like them recommending me and then them um, like supporting me. And then also like my boyfriend at the time was like so supportive because oh. it's like I come in and I have no degree, and he's like, oh no, you're you're definitely super smart. Like, you know, I have a computer science degree, but you're just as smart as these people. And yeah. also, I ask a lot of. Uh, like why questions when I'm learning a topic and he was super patient with that as well. Oh, I find that it's really, really helpful when you have um, kind of like, fr uh, like friends around you who are like really privy into what you're interested in because sometimes like we don't know, right? Like I, like I find that sometimes like we don't know exactly kind of like where our interests are and how many opportunities I think exists from that. Like looking back, I feel like my biggest life opportunities that I seized myself were actually triggered by somebody else saying it to me first. Like, hey, Lucy, you'd be good at blah. Or like, wouldn't it be interesting if, you know, that happens? And um, I think it's kind of fascinating that that's, sometimes that's just like how things work out, right? Yeah, absolutely. I'd say the same thing for me that without other people noticing things or suggesting things or supporting things, I definitely wouldn't have done a lot of the things that I have, for yeah. sure. And I wonder if, like, I, I feel like there's something to be said here about, like, like showing yourself, basically. Like, um, I, I don't, I guess, like, some of, like, in some of the conversation I've had with other people, like, people are, like, scared to kind of, like, show, like, what they're interested in, things like that. But I've, I, I've been, as, as I've been having more and more of these kinds of conversations, I've been finding that, like, the more we're like really expressive and kind of what we're into, the more like we get these basic, uh, basically like this help from other people. We're like, hey, I see you like playing Halo. <laughs> and you ask a lot of questions, Heather. Maybe you'd be interested in, in learning how this all works. And you ask yeah, a lot yeah. of questions. That's one of the things I love about you. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 yeah, I think right now I'm learning about electricity. Uh, and Sean is being super patient with all kinds of weird hypothetical questions I've been asking. Well, maybe electrical engineering might be uh, <laughs> a possible thing. Uh, as bad as I am about it, I, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I wanted to kind of like um, go back. Okay, so you got your first internship and then you found out that like, hey, this is fun. I really like it. And I'm making a lot of money. So that's awesome. And um, what led you to... Um, how did you actually, I, I'm very, very curious because I've met so many people who said that like, who want to get into tech or data science or, you know, one of some kind of like, you know, engineering or, or data position. And then they're very, um, they don't have a computer science background, let's say. And they are very, um, like they put, uh, they put a lot of pressure on themselves to get like really, really good before they like give themselves like a chance to apply. And I'm very curious, like, how did you, um, how did you like learn your, to code and then like get your way into these companies? I mean, eventually you, you're at Google now, but like, I think your first big tech breakthrough was at Microsoft, right? So it's like, how the hell did that happen? Yeah, that's also part of the story. So, um, yeah, so the, the very first position was this contract position at Microsoft, uh, barely even related to, 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 to coding. I was just working on, on batch scripts and, and the like, um, and um, so I was, I was learning to code on my own and doing a ton of private projects for fun. And I reached a point pretty early on, I think probably too early on, where I, I said, okay, I'm confident that I have the skills to get a job. So I was just spamming my resume out everywhere. And it turns out that uh, if you have a, like a religion degree and almost no experience, like no one is going to call you back. So I, I just, I could not get any interviews. And um I managed to meet an intern. So I, I was working as a contractor at Microsoft. I have I had like two or three um, year long contracts and I met an intern and he was telling me about his recruitment process. And I'm like, first of all, you got recruited. Like I've just been spamming my, my, my resume out. And so 
um, after talking to him, I realized that going back to school could be a way to get an interview more easily. And so I was looking to that. And then I happened to talk to one of my friends who was uh, going for a PhD. And he said, uh, don't go back to get an associate's, which is what I was going to do. He said, you know, try a master's. So I uh, looked around in Seattle and there's a lot of really good uh, evening degree programs that will let you do full time and go to school. So I applied and got into Seattle University for software engineering. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first semester, they have all these remedial classes for things to refresh you on things you should have learned in your undergraduate. So I took all those and I, I took a data structures and algorithms class. I'm like, thank God, because that's my first introduction to the topic. And then that's what allowed me to, to pass the the uh, the uh, uh, interview for Microsoft. But yeah, I definitely um, the experience of passing out resumes when I was in SU compared to before, it was like night and day. Like I got so many callbacks comparatively. And then, well, yeah, and then that's uh, why I got into Microsoft internship. And that's that's where I met you. <laughs> yeah. And when you were uh, spamming your resume everywhere and like nobody called back, what was going through your head at that time? Like, were you like, were you feeling doubt at any point or was it just like, uh, no, I- I'll figure something out? Um, I was definitely, I guess, doubt for sure. Like if, if you had told that Heather where I would end up even like five years later, I think I would never have believed it because I, I think my ambitions were pretty low at that point. It's just like, well, one, I want to not be a contractor. I want to have a full-time position. And then two, uh, to have a have a job that required me to actually write code instead of like be code adjacent. Yeah. Um, and so I think, I think yeah, I, I was definitely feeling a little discouraged, but like on one hand, I, I really liked coding on my own. So that was pretty fun. And I was still making like double minimum wage. So that was pretty awesome. <laughs> um, and so I, I think it, it's more a matter of, um, I, I just like incrementally making progress. Like, like when I got a job that was like a little more technical, I was like, "Hooray, great! This is this is massive progress." And then like when I learned some new new concept, like it, it felt like I was continually making progress. So I don't I don't think I got discouraged at any point. It was just like let's just find new new ways to wiggle closer to my goal. Yeah, uh, what I'm hearing is that like the fact that it wasn't for it sounded like for you it wasn't a like. I get the I, I whether I get a software engineering job or I didn't. It was more like, did I make more progress than I did before? Right? Like, am I getting closer? And um, as long as I'm getting closer, like I feel like I'm on the right track, and that kept your motivation up. Yeah, and um, I think a lot of people that I've talked to who are trying to break into the field are in a worse position than I was because I mean, I, I I did have a contractor job at Mad Microsoft and I was pretty confident I could continue to get similar jobs if I want if I wanted them. So um, it's it's always easier to, I guess, uh, make a change if, if you're already in, in a place that's, that's pretty close to it. Like I wasn't trying to break into the industry. I was trying to just get better jobs within the industry. Right, right. And that's kind of like the incremental kind of thing that uh, incremental change that you're you were doing, right? Yeah. And yeah. even so, like, uh, I knew early on that I wanted to work in distributed systems. Um, I, like I, when I when I went when I, for the internship, I put Azure on my application. I did not end up at Azure. I think I, I was a tester at um, Windows Embedded, which is like, which is pretty far from what I wanted. Uh, so then it's, 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 it's like still like kind of like wiggling closer. So like I like the first job was to like um, not be a tester. And then after that, it was to get a job near Azure. So I was working in like test tools for Azure. Uh-huh. And so after that, I became, and then I, I found a role as an Azure developer, and I was like, "Yes, I've I've I've, I've arrived." So wait, wait, wait. Okay, so when I met you, you were already working at Azure. I had no idea that you already had your eyes set on Azure, like like from from like the very beginning when you were looking to work at Microsoft. Like you knew already. Yeah, yeah like um, I I I read some article about like cloud computing, and like I barely even knew what computing was, let alone cloud computing. And I just thought that was the coolest idea. And, and and knew I wanted to work there. Okay, I want to dig into why you think that's so cool. But first, I just want to kind of like um, like reiterate basically what what you did, which is like you knew you knew you wanted to do Azure because you know you you already knew you like cloud computing, and so but you weren't like okay, it's Azure or or I'm, I'm I fail. You know, <laughs> it's like okay, I'm just gonna get into Microsoft, right? And then I'm gonna figure out how to get a little bit closer and closer and closer to that final destination. So I'm going to go to like, and then you went to like test tools for Azure. And then finally you, you went into Azure. Um, now you're, you're somewhere else, but it's like, like you, and, and I remember when we met, you were in Azure and um, you, you, it seemed like you were having a really good time there. So um, 
that is, I, I just really wanted to call that part out because I, I think a lot of people, especially when they just start job hunting, they're like, you know, either I get it or I don't. And then like, it's, it's not necessarily, um, like that's like a, that can be like a huge jump depending on where you're starting. Right. Um, and so like, if you keep seeing like, what are some ways I can kind of like inchworm my way closer and closer, um, that, that can not only be a motivator, but I think it's also like a good kind of like reality check. (laughs) And I I said this before, I think it's also something I want to talk about later, but um, I think I was really lucky in a way that I I feel like I I crashed and burned pretty hard, like around college time. And because of that, I felt like, like, I I feel like it gave me a huge sense of, 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 of gratitude and humility. So it's like, compared to what I was doing before, like, having a minimum, like more than minimum wage job just felt like an incredible gift. And compared to where I was before, like having a contract wall felt like an incredible gift. So I think because I had lower expectations, like I was super grateful for every little bit of progress that I made. What? Okay. Can you talk more about what happened when you, uh, you mentioned you crashed and burned during college? What happened? Oh yeah. So um, let's see. I, well, so my, my, my first year in college, I went to, to this um, small liberal arts women's college on the East coast. And then I uh, didn't, I, I just didn't really like it. It didn't work out. So I uh, quit um, halfway through my, my sophomore year. And then um, I was just sort of like, like bumming around uh, in Seattle. And then I was like, well, I should probably finish school. So then I, I applied to University of Washington. And that's around the time where it's like, okay, I don't know if I want to do this religion thing, but I just, I really wanted to get my degree. Um, and so I, I don't know, like for, for the long, I, I definitely felt like, like really behind, like, like I was just like working as a waitress and trying to figure out what to do. And then I graduated and I was working at Barnes and Noble and I had this religion degree and I'm like, what am I going to do with this? So like compared to that, um, having like, been in a place where I knew what I wanted and something that I thought I was good at and something that I was visibly making progress at, it just felt like a, a massive, massive gift to me. I was like super grateful for that. Oh my goodness. Yeah. The gift of clarity. Clarity and also um, not let's see, uh, clarity and like in getting my degree was was, was pretty great because I think <laughs> after I after I dropped out of school the first time I think like a lot of people were pretty like skeptical about like like what, what, what the hell am I gonna am I doing you know yeah um, so, but yeah yeah it was like clarity and then just like feeling like I was making progress and like doing better every month than I was the previous month. Nice, nice. Yeah, sounds like you had a good like motivating factor behind that. It's like. You don't want to get back to that crash and burn point, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I guess like I mean, it, it wasn't that bad, but but yeah, it, it definitely it, it just definitely taught me a lot of humility. I think like, humility, mm-hmm. and then it gave me gratitude for for other things that I might not have been grateful for. Uh, I like that. I like that. Um, okay, so why are you so passionate about distributed systems? Uh, I, I've not-, not met anybody who's as passionate about, or I, I met people who are interested in it. And, and, and all sorts of tech things, like they, they have a lot to say, but you speak of it with an emotion that I don't often see, <laughs> like a type of emotion, like the way people talk about like their dog. I like, I, <laughs> like yeah, yeah, what's, why are you so passionate about it? What, what drew you to it? Out, like parties and I've had a few too much to drink. Like I start like talking really emotionally about how much I love systems. I think most people have heard me do this. Um, yeah, I think uh, at the core of it, I I just really love the idea that you can build a reliable system from unreliable parts. Um, I, I think the the idea of it is is really really beautiful, um, and it gives me hope for so many other things that are imperfect but can be uh, incorporated into something that is bigger than the sum of their parts. And then I think a lot of the algorithms and protocols that go into building these systems are just incredibly elegant. Um, I think they the way that they approach all the possible situations and the possible states. I, I say it's, it's it's a really like pleasing and elegant um, setup that just brings me a lot of joy whenever I, I look at it and think about it. Oh wow, that that was like a very poetic way of saying that. Heather. I feel like systems are very poetic, so it's very appropriate. Ooh, nice. Yeah, building reliable system from unreliable parts. Can you give it? Can you give an example? Yeah. Um, let's see. Well, so. Most of the the uh, commercial cloud services have some SLA, you know, like three nines or five nines or whatever. And um, the way that that they do this is 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 from from composing themselves from parts that are themselves uh, not that reliable. And um, when I first knew this happened, uh, and like I remember at my first job at Azure, 
and um, like some machine had just crashed and my boss was like, well, yeah, like, of course it's going to crash. Like that's what machines do. And I was like, hang on, like how in the world can we offer this SLA to our customers and, and like, and back it with like saying, we'll give you money if we miss our SLA. When you just told me that this machine that hosts their service is like crashing and that's fine because that's what machines do. And then like from there learning that, okay, no, this is why we have things called re replication and failover and protocols that can handle this. And just like, yeah, learning these things just made me super excited that it's like, it's like these, these things fail and that's okay that they fail. We have ways to work around it and to embrace failure and to ensure that even if they fail, the system itself will be uh, okay afterwards. This is, this is so, okay. So for our um, less tech savvy people, um, basically what, uh, uh, what, what is, uh, how would you describe what SLA is, Heather? Oh, uh, service level agreement. Um, so for for uh, companies like 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 Microsoft or, or AWS or, or or Google Cloud, um, basically you're saying that of of um, for whatever number of requests that you send to us, we guarantee that some percentage of them will succeed. And if we and if we are wrong and you can prove it, then we will g give you some 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 money back. So it's it's yeah it's it's the agreement that you, that you have with with that with people about how well your service will perform. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So basically, what you're saying is that like the SL like like you know it can never be a hundred percent right. Like you can never have a hundred percent reliability that something's gonna work. And so like you know we see things working all the time, but it's actually made up of a bunch of little like not working things <laughs> that somehow needs to like communicate with each other to make sure that as a whole. We're still functioning. Is that is that is my understanding correct there? Right, right. That's so funny because when you said that, I was actually thinking, because um, I'm in the health and fitness space, um, and I was thinking this is like how our bodies work too. Like in our bodies, like like we think our body is functioning. Well, I don't know. Maybe some people are like, nope, my body doesn't function. But like you know, for most of us, we're like our body, our body is functioning. But there's like like little oopsies and accidents and, and things happening like in like all the all the time, like there's mistakes happening all the time. And yet our body, like the cells need to communicate and the organs need to work in a way that somehow makes us think that, oh, we're still functioning. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, um, I, I always think that the body is a really interesting system, but then again, you know, I, I didn't get into biochemistry, so uh, <laughs> I'm not equipped to talk about it, but yeah, I'm I'm sure that the same principles of like like fault tolerance and like replication and this kind of thing are also at play in 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 the human body. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Um, and uh, I I wanted to ask because one of the things that we talked about that I thought was super fascinating is that you mentioned that um working in tech has taught you a lot about human relationships. I'm very curious, like, what are some of the ways that that it's taught you about human relationships? Yeah, I, there's um, let's see, there's uh, kind of um, two angles. I guess I, I can talk about the relationships one, and then there's also sort of like the self improvement sort of angle. Yeah, you also um, mentioned that like your biggest self improvement came from working in tech. That yeah. fascinated me. I was like, well, because I like at that time I was like reading so many books and like because I'm I'm like really big into self improvement, and you were like my biggest tool for self improvement is working in tech. And I remember my business partner Richa said something similar, and and and. I, I think that was like one of the first instances that made me think, wait, can I learn more by just paying attention to what's in front of me than, you know, reading books about it and kind of blew my mind. But yes, I want <laughs> please share like like, yeah, how how did it teach about human relationships? How did it like help you with self-improvement? Yeah. So I, I think um, the way I've been sort of thinking about this to myself is that uh, work taught me how to commit to a relationship. Um, where I, like before, before, um, my job, there was not much there that it's like, I, I, I wanted it independently of, 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 of like the, what the way that, um, the, the, how I got it. Like, for example, um, previously if I had, you know, a relationship and things got a little rough, I'd just be like, well, perhaps we weren't meant to be, and therefore like time to like, to peace out and move on. But for a job, it's like, well, you know, it's not going to be perfect. And I really want this to work. So when things get rough, I'm going to dig in and figure out how, how I can work around this problem. And this is like a level of commitment that I actually hadn't really been devoting towards my relationships. And I, I got to this point where I was realizing like um, the amount of time and effort and energy I'm putting into 
maintaining relationships with like people at work that I don't even like is ridiculous <laughs> compared to how much time and energy I'm putting into relationships with the people that I claim to care and love and love and, and care for. So um, yeah, this sort of this flip and then sort of realizing that everything I've been doing at work was actually applicable, probably more applicable to, to my relationships with, with people I cared about. And I have found everything I've learned at work usually applies really, really nicely to to uh, other relationships. Yeah, uh, can you um, like that's so that's so interesting. Like, I, I so what? Where basically what you said was like work put you basically in like the sandbox where it's like you have to make it work with with other people. Um, and did you feel like in your personal life, like there wasn't necessarily that stake at the time? Yeah, it's it's weird, right? Because um, like work is just like bullshit, right? Like I, it's so weird. That I had this feeling about 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 work that I was so committed to it, and I really wanted this project for my TPS reports or whatever to succeed. Whereas with relationships, it was more like I wanted to succeed, but I think I had this. Um, this innate doubt that relationships were a permanent thing. So mm. I think I always had this like escape hatch in the back of my head that like, okay, if things don't work out, then it's just because it wasn't going to work out anyways. And so I, and so I can leave. Whereas with work, I was like, no, I really want this job. I worked hard to get this job and I really want this product to succeed. So yeah, I had this level of commitment to my job that I didn't have to, to people, which is kind of sad to say out loud. But I think like that experience sort of taught me that like something you hear people say a lot is that like, love or commitment it's not a feeling it's an action and I really I really got that from work where realizing that the most important thing was me deciding that I wanted to stay and make it work and then after that like you know then after that you can engineer around around most problems but the important thing is deciding that you want it to work yeah in my personal life yes the most I, I like what you said here the most important thing um is to decide to make it work hey listener I hope you're enjoying the show so far if you like this, please leave a review, subscribe, or share with a friend. And if you'd like to read my weekly newsletter on self-discovery, work with me one-on-one, support my work in other ways, or simply just say hi, go to lucyliang.com or check out the show notes to learn more. And now, back to the show. And once you have that kind of commitment, it, it, like you've mentioned having to deal with like very difficult people at work and how you like like figured out how to like, like lots of social skills um, and lots of like empathy skills, like see it from their point of view and like all of that stuff that I had to learn through my personal relationship. So it, it was really interesting. I, I think we, we have it like opposite kind of like my relationships taught me so much about how to function at work. And <laughs> it's like your work taught you so much how to function in your personal relationships but it's like the same thing. We're always like dealing with people, I guess. Yeah, yeah. In I, a way, right? This epiphany where I was like, oh my gosh, like like all relationships with people are the same. It just like the context is different. Uh, which yeah, I, yeah. I and, then, and then that's when I realized that all the things I was doing at work, I should probably be doing like with with like my friends and boyfriend too. Yes, uh, I'm glad that that that's been um, that you got that takeaway. Um, and what was it about any other self improvement that you've um, that came from doing work? Yeah, let's see. So, okay, I, once I had this this um, realization that, okay, uh, you can kind of work your way past most problems if you just decide that you want to do it. Um, I think the other, so, okay, at this point, it's like, all right, I have this problem, I, I want to work around it, but then, like, the question is how. And so for this, I did go to self-help books. Um, the, uh, what is it, the, the Dale Carnegie, like, how to win how friends, to, and that whatever the book, yeah. How to win friends and influence people. Yeah, yeah, that, that's actually a great book. I think it's a classic for a reason. Um, mm. But I think, like, before work, I had this, uh, like, super juvenile uh, feeling that if I really respect somebody, then I need to just, like, be true to myself. And, like, any attempt to modulate how I communicate in a way it, to, to, to other people is like being inauthentic and manipulative. And so I, I wouldn't do it. Whereas at work, I was like, I don't care about these people. I just want them to do what I say. So I'm just going <laughs> to manipulate the hell out of them. So I was trying to figure out like how I can convince people. And uh, some, some of the things that this book says, like one of the things is, is um, uh, before you start off any conflict, like try to give them a compliment on something genuine. So I was like, okay, like, oh, this is this guy at work, such an asshole. 
Um, and then just trying to think, okay, like, and I realized that I actually really respected him. He's super smart, super passionate. And so I, like, I went to this conversation saying like, hey, I just want to start off with saying that I, I really enjoy working with you. Like, I think you're really smart. I really respect where you're coming from. And it was like night and day. And then just like sitting and thinking about that afterwards, it was like, I hadn't said anything that was false. I, you know, like I, I hadn't said anything that was true. And then like, honestly, like, like why hadn't I told him before that I respected him and, and, and enjoyed his, working with him? And it, it just kind of made me realize that um, a lot of the advice, it's not about being like inauthentic. It's just about like choosing what parts that you say. And sometimes you can choose to say the nice things and maybe not say the, the mean things or phrase it in a different way. And uh, it's oftentimes a lot more effective and yeah, uh, yeah that way. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I've experienced that in my own life too. Yeah, it's not about, um, I like what you said about, it's not about being inauthentic. It's about choosing what parts, right? What parts to, what parts to, to say at what points. Um, and if, I really like that. What, what was interesting is that like, you did actually respect this guy, um, I think it was like you respected how like how how dedicated he was, right? As well, like you guys were both like really dedicated to like get you know getting something through, right? Funny is because yeah, we both cared a lot, like way too much about it was because yeah, yeah. <laughs> it sounded like it was because you guys both cared so much that it was like e- like easy to bash heads. But then when you are guys realize, oh my god, wait, we have this in common, you and I, we're on the same team. We both care a lot. It sounded like that really changed, didn't you yeah, say? So I, I did, oh, sorry, yes. No, uh, go keep going. Uh, I just said that, like, um, and and like this is this is one of the things I took into my personal life too is that like realizing that um I have a tendency when I'm in a conflict to just focus on like the conflict, and so like with with boyfriends or you know friends now I'm like oh just to start off like I really appreciate you and I love that you did this, <laughs> but and you know but even just starting off with an affirmation of you know mutual love and respect and pointing out oh. some good things it really sets the tone for any discussion that you might have. Uh yes, yes, I totally agree. It, I I remember you mentioning, I don't know if this is the same guy that you were talking about, um, this work person, but you said, I remember you mentioning like another person who basically after you kind of like got on the same page, like they became one of your biggest, one of your advocates, right? I think so. Yeah, I think, well, like something about the process at Microsoft, I feel lends itself to more asshole behavior than let's say Facebook or Google. But yeah, there's, there's like a, several people that, I think, and, and actually, you know, it also could be that the way I was acting was uh, encouraging asshole behavior. So I, I don't know, but but yeah, definitely people that I previously had a hard time working with. I feel like with me putting some effort in, made them a lot easier to work with, and yeah, we have a lot of good, good professional relationships from that. Yeah, and you know what's interesting? Like as I'm hearing you describe this, I'm thinking, yeah, like human, like human relationships within the context of a system, like like a like a business or even a family. Um, in a community, right? It's it's actually also like, what, what what did you call them? Like imperfect parts that like combine to make something work. Uh, a yeah, reliable just, system yeah. from unreliable parts. Yeah. That's what you said. <laughs> this is one of the um, my soapboxes that I get on a lot at, yeah. at work is insisting that uh, humans are also part of the system. And therefore, when we are designing our resilient, fault-tolerant, and effective algorithms, we need to design for the human parts in it as well. Like, oh, this kind of presentation that, like, a, a, a lot of times over the years at work. Well, what does that mean? We have to, um, if we have to design for fault-tolerant systems, we have to design for humans as well? Yeah, okay. So there's there's a couple um, principles that people find very intuitive when talking about the computer parts of systems, but just seem to, like, fall apart when it comes to the human parts. Um, so... I think one concept is like that um, you don't want s- s- single points of failure uh, in a system because if you have a single point of failure, then if that thing goes down, then the entire system is hosed and then you can't meet your SLA. Yes. Uh, but then people seem to not worry so much if there's single points of failure for humans. So like it's so common to have, um, I don't know, some some concept that only one person understands on the team. And then, you know, you call it like the, the bus factor or the location uh. factor where they can never go otherwise no one will understand how this thing works right can, can you explain what the bus factor is um it's it's the let's see how, how sad you'd be if someone got hit by a bus actually wait, that, that sounds terrible um <laughs> it's the amount of knowledge that somebody has that if they were to leave your team yeah if they got if they got hit by a bus like how bad would it be for everybody else yeah, right? yeah. like if somebody if only one person has like all the knowledge about how to like do something and and they got hit by a bus um 
the rest of the team might be a little screwed, <laughs> right? And in the same way that you don't ever want your system to be screwed if, if one uh, computer crashes, you also don't want your team to be screwed if, if one person leaves. Yes. Uh, yeah. What else? Um, scalability is one that I hammer on like all the time where, um, you know, like uh, if you have some system where your um, costs scale, I don't know, like exponentially with respect to the number of customers you have, like that is never going to work financially speaking. But a lot of times when I see things like 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 taking on tech debt or um, on-call load, people seem to not worry about um, systems that scale like literally or, or worse with respect to number of customers. So like there's a lot of systems where it's like, okay, every time we have a customer, there's this manual stuff that we have to do. And then it, you get to the point where you have to just like hire more people to get more customers, which is obviously really inefficient. But engineers who spend forever obsessing about efficient algorithms just seem to completely forget that, you know, people are part of these as well. Yeah, yeah, you can't, yeah, um, like how to scale like manual effort, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah, we we humans, like we only have so much energy, like you can't wish for magic <laughs> from from people. Yeah, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. And um, one of the things that you had mentioned earlier, and I, I wanted to go back to that, and I, I forgot earlier, was that you mentioned that... Um, that when you were thinking about, uh, or that when when I had asked you earlier, like, um, why didn't you consider um, com- uh, coding as a career choice? You mentioned that you didn't really see any other women in there, so it kind of didn't even register to you. And then you said something about why vol- this is why volunteering with kids really helps. Um, can you talk more about that? What do you mean by volunteering with kids? I think, um, let's see, uh, I've, I've done a, 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 a bit of like TAing and volunteer work. And um, I, I feel like a, one of the benefits I can give is just existing and and showing people that like like sh- um, like just sh- showing people that yeah that that um, women exist in, in in the field. I think it's important for you know girls to see it as a possibility, but I also think it's important for you know little boys to see that it's a possibility, so that when they grow up and they meet women in tech, they don't. Uh, you know, act like idiots and 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 um, and, and act super shocked, which sometimes I, I've I've seen. Oh, really? Like for to you? Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure you must have seen this too. Like, 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 not so much now, but definitely when I was first getting started, like, definitely had a lot of people being like, "Whoa, like, what are you doing?" Or like, I, I think I had someone say, like, I was mentioning that I wanted to, I don't know, like, like. BC or whatever, and they're like, I'll probably just be a secretary. Just like, oh my god, (laughs) oh my goodness. I um, so I've uh, I I hope it's better now than it was when we first joined tech. But like, uh, I didn't remember this was actually a this was actually a lady, but I was in some uh corporate training thing, and um, afterward, uh, she we were in some workshop like breakout session together, and then she was like, oh, so do you work in HR or marketing? And I was like, no, I'm a I'm a software engineer. And then she goes, oh, wow, you're very pretty for a software engineer. Oh, and I was like, hmm, I feel like that's a co- that's meant to be a compliment. <laughs> I was like, I don't know how to react to that. Acknowledged. I was like, acknowledged. <laughs> yeah, that pretty much. Um, so yeah, no, I've definitely had that, like had my gender kind of called out to me in a way that was kind of like unexpected because I didn't, I didn't go in realizing I was different to be quite honest I usually don't pay attention to who the other people in there but there were moments where it was just like called out to me and I'm like oh I guess I guess I am one of the few you know <laughs> um and I I I do hope like it's le- uh, there's less cases of this uh now but um yeah I think that for yeah especially when you're very young like to kind of just normalize this right like well and, and I know that um I actually have um, uh, at least two friends who have teams and uh, engineering teams, and they are really, really trying to figure out how to get more diversity. And it's very hard <laughs> when you don't already have diversity. That's like it's one of those self-propelling problems. It's like if you don't already have diversity, it like makes it so much harder to build it in. And the in the large in the bigger your team grows without it, the harder and it, it becomes. Absolutely, like I know for me, yeah. like if, if I'm looking at some team and I'm like, okay, there's no one here who is like you know looks like me or what have you, then I'm and I get an offer from a team that does have people look like me. I know which one I'm, I'm, I'm going to pick. 
Yeah, actually, and you just recently, so like you left, um, I know you left, you, so so uh, when you left Microsoft and then you went to Facebook and then when you went to Google, I remember you had like this whole like thing where you were trying to figure out what teams to join. Um, you were a very hot commodity. I think a lot of people wanted you. And uh, but and you had like this like chart. It's like cool, pro- or, like how cool is the project? How much do I like the team? And da, da, da. And um, I remember like the team really mattered to you, like the team culture when you were doing that evaluation. It, yeah, and then I, I ended up going for um, product coolness uh, mm-hmm. after everything, and uh, I I think it's been too new yet to tell if that that has shaken out. But yeah, I want to. Yeah, I'm curious to see how that um, how that pans out for you. Um, and while we're on that topic, I, I'm just very uh, I, I'm very curious. What made you decide to leave Azure after you like you know were so into it? Um, and I know you worked there for a while, so um, I, if it's just maybe it's just time or what else, and um, and what made you decide to go, you know, pursue a different a different company? Um, yeah, I I definitely loved my team. Uh, I, I just is probably still my favorite team I've ever, I've ever worked with. Favorite people. Um, I think I was becoming nervous at the time that the longer I stayed at the at Microsoft, the more I would only be able to work at Microsoft um, because the ecosystem is is pretty insulated from the rest of the industry and um, I wanted to get experience uh, writing something other than .NET and working on things other than Windows computers. So was it just like oh so it was like you felt that you wanted to do something different you didn't want to keep doing the same thing? Yeah yeah um, I yeah I think I, when I was applying to, to other jobs I did have some offers from inside the company that looked really good but I, I really, really wanted to get the chance to work outside of Microsoft. And that was a big priority for me. And how are you enjoying? Um, I guess it's too soon to tell right now since it's it's still pretty new. Yeah, I guess I, was, I wasn't I was at Facebook for very long. But I mean, already I, I have zero regrets. Um, I definitely have gotten a lot of experience with other technologies, which I really enjoyed. And uh, like now I'm working pretty closely with, with the kernel in Linux, which is also super fun, I would say. So. Yeah. Yes. Oh, already, already, I'm glad I did it. Awesome. Is it still a distributed system or is something different now? Uh, yes. Although I'm for the first time, I'm I'm not quite as much in the the systems part of it. Um, I'm I'm working um, more on one of the, the the nodes in the system as opposed to the parts that communicate with one another. Awesome. And uh, how are you liking that? Uh, I'm I'm liking it a lot. Uh, Again, uh, it it remains to be seen because I'm I'm still relatively new. But I think already the fact that I have to be like reading documentation and digging through kernel code to understand my job is very thrilling. Awesome. Oh, yeah. Thrilling. I like that. I, I love, Heather, that you're like, I don't really know. Uh, like, like, you know, you, you're, you're very, I, I feel like you're very exploratory. I don't know if exploratory is the right word, or maybe it's just like newness tolerant. Like it's <laughs> like, like you're very tolerant to like things you don't know yet. And you're just like, this is exciting. Let's figure this out. Like I've met so many, especially women and especially women in tech, <laughs> I feel who it's, um, there's, um, uh, there's a lot of imposter syndrome and I know you have it too, but, but it's like, it's like the imposter syndrome, like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. Um, and so I'm very, like, I, I want to try to get better, but I'm really anxious about it. And I feel, cause I, I, I feel like for you, it's like, yeah, I, I'm not sure if I'm really good at this, but it's going to be really exciting to figure out. Um, can you speak to that? I don't know Am if I... I really have imposter syndrome, actually. Um, you don't? Oh. No, I don't think I do. Uh, I, I, I did when I was younger, but I don't think I do anymore, which is, it seems what to be a rarity to say. Yeah. Um, I think, um, I think, well, I mean, I had it pretty bad because like, you know, I didn't have a degree and uh, especially starting out, if people are like, oh, like people talk a lot about like, oh, what, what school did you go to? And I was like, you uh, did like, yeah, the computer science department there is great. I'm like, oh, it, it is, but I wouldn't know. And then, you know, I it, it definitely um, had to feel much older about it. But um, I think getting, so I, I, went, I went back to school after I was working at Azure to get my um, computer science master's at UW. And I think the whole process um, not like having a degree meant anything to me, but just them um, having to refocus on learning um, and why I was getting a degree really helped me out because I was sitting here thinking like, okay, like, am I smart enough to make it in this field? Am I not? And then 
kind of going back to the whole like um, commitment is deciding. And I'm just like, well, does it really matter? Because I want to make it work. And I, I really oh. love what I do. Um, and that makes me belong here. And I think part of it was also acknowledging that one of the reasons why I felt insecure was because I did have like, massive gaps in my knowledge. There were things that I was really ignorant about. Yeah. And accepting that I was ignorant and that it's like, okay, what am I going to do about it? And realizing that if I'm, if I don't know, I say, I don't know. And then I figure it out. And it sort of like gives me this, this baseline confidence that like that, that, yeah, that I, I belong here. And that even if I do things that are dumb, at least I can try to be less dumb tomorrow. Even if I, even if I do things that are dumb, uh, I can be less dumb tomorrow. <laughs> I I love that. Sorry, I need to, I'm typing this up uh, because I love that quote so much. <laughs> um, and okay, I, I love that the whole, um, what my takeaways basically is because I still have imposter syndrome to this day. So I, I can learn this from you. It's like, you know, I, there's this voice, right? That's like, oh, can I do it? Can I not do it? And then I think it's like the, the, the Heather voice that basically overshadows them all is the one that says, well, does it matter? Like, do you want to do this? And then like commit to deciding to do it. Right. Yeah. And I think part along with that is also, I think, um, Something else that I'd love to talk about with achievement systems is this is embracing uh, failure. Just like thinking, okay, like um, maybe I, I like, w- why am I feeling so insecure? And then either it's because of some like you know uh, bullshit that doesn't matter, and therefore I ignore it, or it's because I truly don't know what I'm talking about. In which case, accept that I I don't know this thing, and then try to learn it. I think it like like deciding that is is really what makes me feel more secure is yeah. not to accept that there are things that I don't know and it's okay that I don't know them. Yeah. I think for a lot of people, like the accepting that that I don't know is really hard for them. But I think, um, I, I, you know, I mean, from your experience, you've asked so many questions when you don't know, right? And what has been your experience from, you know, doing all of that? Like, yeah, I, has anything bad happened to you? It's, it's you know? really lucky that I came into the field the way I did because- yeah. And like when I started off, I, 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 I knew nothing. Like I didn't even know like what, I was like, what, what are computers really? <laughs> um, and so like I, I started off that first job, like part of why, why it was so fun is because I just like asked questions because everybody knew that I got hired because I played Halo a lot, you know, like everyone knew that I, I didn't know anything about computers or coding. So yeah. it kind of made me free to just ask a ton of questions that people might've considered to be stupid or, or bad, but um and, and it just taught me that asking dumb questions, like usually like kids ask really great questions because it's these like fundamental why questions are the ones that are actually like, like, damn, like, like, yeah. like what are computers? Like, <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> no, that's so true. My, my niece, my toddler niece is like teaching me how to, how to ask questions. Like just by observing her, right. Cause she's like at that stage where she's just asking questions about everything. And I'm like, yeah, that is a good question. Yeah. Like, yeah. why are we doing this? Like, why, you know, why, why, like, what are you doing, daddy? And then like, well, why, you know, why not do this instead? And I'm like, yeah, these are very good questions, given your premises. And I find that, I I, I find that I, you, you said something that reminded me of this, which is like, well, if I'm like, it's, it's almost like you came in there accepting that, you know what? okay, so I guess I'll just be the dumb one here. And then like, it's like almost like once you accept that, like if you don't let it like be attached to like your value as a person, right? You're like, yep, I guess I'm just the dumb one in the room. It makes it so much easier to just ask the dumb questions because you're basically like, yep, it is what it is. (laughs) And then I, I, at least I always found that through the dumb questions, that's how you like, you know, not feel so dumb. Like, as you said, you, okay, I'll feel less dumb tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Like the, the only way I'm, I'm ever going to stop being dumb is by, is by asking questions about the things I don't know. Yeah. Yes. Uh, love it. <laughs> awesome. Um, uh, so I, I wanted to, I, I think like this has been very, very, uh, I, I think useful, especially for um, people like struggling with imposter syndrome, struggling with like not knowing how to like, get from one point to another, especially when they seem really different. Um, And I think like one of the things that I've learned from your story is really just that even if you want to do something like completely different, right? Like, okay, maybe you're a religious major and then you're like, I kind of want to try this tech thing. Like nothing's stopping you (laughs) from from, from doing that. Um, And I think uh, at least there's been quite a few conversations I've had where um, people wanted to... um, 
you know, when, when it comes to a career change or something like that, they really want to figure out like, how can I make what I've already have work in a different way, but their words and their behaviors indicate that they want to do something completely different. And so, um, you know, I, I think this helps give people like permission to like do something completely different um, if you if you want to. Um, but I think one of the thing is be be. I don't know if the word is strategic or incremental. It's like be incremental about it. Like don't you know don't ask for magic. <laughs> but like yeah, I think yeah. the word that they use at work is what like um don't try to boil the ocean. Don't try to boil the ocean. Yeah, yes, there um, we go. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm a huge fan of, of small incremental steps. Yes, uh, both at work and in personal life, and in actually everything I do, it's like incremental progress. <laughs> awesome, uh, great. So I want to basically kind of just end this uh, in this call by just uh, asking, like, uh, having people get to know you as, uh, with some kind of questions about about you, and um, if you. Actually, let's let's do this one. I don't know if I already sent you this question or not. Uh, but what do you wish more people um, know would know about you that you don't often get to share or get asked? Oh, um, huh. I don't know. Uh, I guess I make a lot of lists, and I always wish people were like, "Heather, can you name the top five, whatever?" Or you know, but uh, only about certain topics. So perhaps that's not nothing good to open up to uh, to to you asking me. Um, what kind of lists? Uh, like, uh, like favorite like science fiction books or like dystopias or or uh, uh, things, things like this. Um, I, I don't know. I should have prepared for this one. No, that's totally fine. Did, I yeah, are you saying you wish more about distributed systems at parties? Like, uh, I wish that I didn't have to just harass people about it. Yeah, it's such a it, like I don't <laughs> like. It's not a topic that really comes up at parties, but when you talk about it, it's like, yep, she well, is really into this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you bring it up. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, I I'm also very curious because we didn't we didn't get the I actually wanted to ask you this the last time we were we met in person, but I forgot. But I know that like you know, we were every year like we do like our little like yearly planning thing, like or sorry, we I mean like we separately do it. Like, you know, I do my yearly planning, like, oh here's my vision and what I want to go well, and then like you do you do your your thing. Like what is what is that for you? Like you don't have to like share what your actual vision is, but like what's that process like for you and what does that kind of look like? I'm pulling up my my notes and looking at what I said for this year. Ooh. Um, Let's see. So, yeah, I mean, every year around January time, I kind of summarize the previous year and then I look at what I said I wanted to do and see if I actually did it. Oftentimes, no. Um, and then think about things that I want to do the next year. Um, I, I like I try to pick one or two things to focus on because I feel like uh, I have a tendency to just like queue up massive things, things like lists to do. And then you sort of just get uh, paralysis and don't do any of them. So, yeah, I, I like to pick one or two items. Um, so let's see. For 2022, I um, I yeah want to deepen relationships. I said, um, and I wish to be able to uh, get better at electronics and uh, perhaps rank up in StarCraft and do a pull up. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, what about you? What are your goals for I love this? this uh for my goal this year uh one of the biggest well uh relationship as well i want to uh get married which i will and um and uh i would like to start a family uh so maybe try to get pregnant this year yeah <laughs> very exciting uh yeah so that would be like one goal uh and then um I, I have some goals for uh for my business coach viva and also uh very important for not for this year, but something I just been oh, really wanting. It's like, I want a creative outlet. And this is actually it. This podcast is that creative outlet. So I'm like trying to like, you know, I'm manifesting it right now. Um, but I want like, I've always wanted like a creative outlet where I can just kind of um, uh, like talk about, just talk about the th the questions that I want to explore, right? And so like questions around like how we learn, how we discover what we want and and human relationships and, uh, and, and um, psyche, like that, those, those kinds of conversations are conversations that I really like to have. And um, I really want to like hear other people's stories around that too, and kind of share them. And um, so this is, this is that 
part of what I'm doing. Um, and then what else? Uh, I would like to, uh, oh, the, um, the health, oh, uh, build in more uh, rest into my, into my days um, so that I can live in what I call effortless alignment. Uh, so I, 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 especially when I have like a lot of things to do, um, usually because I think I can take on more than I can handle, um, I end up being put, like putting myself into survival mode and then end up kind of like doing things uh, just to like get them checked off the box, right? And then I end up basically getting a little uh, a little overextended, but also like I, I stop doing what I want from a place of like joy and more from a place of like, I have to finish the thing because I said I was going to finish the thing. And that's like never felt good to me. And if I can like eliminate that, I, I feel like I'd just be like set. Like I'd be like zen <laughs> and just like living in flow as as they say. So that's kind of like my 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 goal, <laughs> my goals for this year. It sounds like a lot of noble goals. The podcasting is really, really cool. I, I love what you said about um, like there's conversations and topics that you enjoy having and exploring. And this is a really great way to 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 have these conversations i really like that idea thank you thank you and i'm so glad you're um you're 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 sharing in this with me and that you're, you're like you, you volunteer to like you know help <laughs> help explore that with me um awesome oh one more question if you could travel back in time to uh, any previous period of your life and give yourself a piece of advice uh when when would that be and what would you say Ooh, well, I mentioned before that I feel like I ended up here with by a crazy stream of coincidences. So I feel like if I went back in time, I would just like change everything and I'd probably end up someplace different. So I oh. probably wouldn't risk going back in time. But if I, if it's like um the the time travel theory where you're branching off a new existence and it's like that Heather's the one that's gonna get screwed, what yeah. I what I would do is um let's see. I don't I, to be honest, like I, I I do wish I had started programming earlier. Like it, it would have been nice to have uh to gone to to gotten my degree in computer science. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I probably would have said like probably don't go for religion, try that. And maybe I would have told myself to like buy Bitcoin or something early on. Uh, <laughs> but that that aside, yeah, I I I don't know. I think there's not much I would I would I would I would tell myself. I think um a lot of people in my life will probably doing a much better job of giving me words of encouragement than yeah. uh, I could. So I think I don't think I would change that. Well, it sounded like a lot of people in your life really actually did give you words of encouragement. Yeah. So it's like super lucky to have them. You may not have even needed future Heather to come back. Yeah. Like friends basically saying. Yeah. I would be like, I don't know, Heather, like programming's pretty hard. Like maybe you don't want to do this. But yeah, like definitely the friends I had then were just super gung ho in a way that I think I'm more cautious and conservative that I don't think I'd be able to be that good of a cheerleader. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, that's, and, and you said like, um, yeah, like these things all happen through a series of coincidences, but, uh, what, what I'm, what I'm hearing when I'm hearing your story is that you, they are coincidences, but you kind of put yourself in those situations where they could happen. Um, and so I always like think about this, like how much <clears throat> of what happens to us is like, like luck versus like how much of it did we actually have control control over I, I like part of one of the questions I kind of like am interested in asking is like how much can we engineer serendipity <laughs> and and I um like one way like that I've been toying with this idea is that we you know first of all are very open with the people around us uh, um uh, as to like you know what we're interested in and what we're into doing um and like for like I don't know if you just talk about distributed system with like everybody you meet um, or or if you like try to hold yourself back um, or not. But I reckon if like you're not doing distributed systems and you're just talking to a bunch of people about distributed systems, at some point somebody's gonna be like, "Hey Heather, you should probably do distributed systems and like you know want me to help or like <laughs> you know point you in the right direction, right?" Um, in your case, I think it was like playing Halo, right? But we just like the same thing. It's like, yeah, <laughs> you will notice these things. Um, yeah. So I guess like I, I've always been fascinated with the idea of like, yeah, how much can we like engineer serendipity? Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. I think like people will talk about, oh, you only find things if you're not looking for them or um, things just happen this way. But I think, I don't know, in my opinion, like you have to be hustling and create situations where a lot of things can happen to you. And then, okay, chance, chance can happen. 
Right. But if you're in a situation where only like one or two random things happen to you in a year, then like chances are not very high that they're going to be the things that lead you to a new path. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Cool. Uh, I think that's, uh, yeah, those are all my questions. And I, this has been a very, a very, a very, I don't know. Like I, I, I wanted, for some reason, the word came in, that came up was giggly for some reason. I don't know. I just feel like I laughed a lot during this conversation. <laughs> yeah. I, I always really enjoy talking to you. I think okay. the conversations we have are always the kind of, uh, analytical question uh, conversations that I always enjoy having myself so yeah yeah it's like analytical and also like gets like philosophical sometimes but yeah yeah you're definitely like one of the few people who um will allow me to be like like I want to delve into like the why of this and like overanalyze the hell and everything like I, I really appreciate that about you oh thank you excellent um what are your um Oh, is there, uh, I'm just uh, curious, like what, anything like you're currently exploring right now or like what's, what's next for you, I guess, if anything? Um, in terms of life, I suppose, uh, yeah, just trying to um, yeah, deepen relationships. Because uh, I think at work, I don't really do deep relationships. So this is my thing that I have to learn on my own away from work. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, I'm trying to figure out how electricity works. It's been a slow slog. Wish awesome. I'll see how it goes. Yeah. <sighs> Great. Um, awesome. Thank you, Heather. And um, where can our audience find you? Who? Uh, well, I've been saying I wanted to uh, make a blog um, about like the, with, with the title uh, Computers Made Me Human, but I haven't done it oh, yet. So I love that. There. Uh, but um, I, 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 I don't actually know. I, I suppose LinkedIn, maybe. Awesome. Yeah. I, I, by the way, I love the idea. Uh, I love the title Computers Made Me Human. Um, uh, no rush, but if and when you have that blog, I'd be happy to link it in our show notes below. Yes, definitely. Uh, hopefully this will be the kick I need to actually set it up. <laughs> Yay. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening. There are thousands of podcasts out there and I'm honored to have you join me here. If you enjoyed this, please leave a review, subscribe, or share with a friend. And if you'd like to read my weekly newsletter on self-discovery, work with me one-on-one, support my work in other ways, or simply just say hi, go to lucyliang.com or check the show notes to learn more. Thank you, and I appreciate you.